Welcome to the Latter-day Freeman Podcast, a podcast dedicated to building a movement of Latter-day Saints united in defense of the principles of freedom and our inspired constitution. I am your host, Jacob Hibbard, and I am joined as I am each week by my fellow Freeman, by Jeremy Anderson, and by Tyson Hardcastle. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with me tonight. I'm really excited to dive into what is a very hot topic. Um, I'll admit there has been a little bit of trepidation on my part to touch on this, but um, at the same time, we felt that the the perspective that we bring with this podcast could be beneficial and helpful to our listeners, to you, um, as you navigate this this issue. And that issue is the issue of vaccine mandates. Now, uh, like I said, this is a hot topic, and there's a lot of different perspectives. There is no way. Uh, during this podcast, during this next 30 some odd minutes that we're together, that we're going to be able to capture every aspect of this debate. Um, but we're going to do our best to, to cover quite a bit and to do so from uh, the perspective of the principles of freedom, specifically the pillars of America that we've been discussing on this podcast. Uh, but to start us off, there's a quote that we thought would kind of give us a little bit of an insight into kind of the, the political landscape or the mindset that is characterizing much of this discussion. And this comes from uh, President Joe Biden. He said, with freedom comes responsibility. So please exercise reasonable judgment. Get vaccinated for yourself, for the people you love, for your country. We all want our lives to get back to normal and fully vaccinated workplaces will make that happen more quickly and more successfully. We all know that in our gut, with incentives and mandates, we can make a huge difference and save a lot of lives. So that that was from uh, from Joe Biden, and I feel like he in this statement covers a lot of, or at least brings to up to the forefront, the issues that we're going to be discussing tonight. And to more fully cover to capture the landscape, what to you, Jeremy and Tyson, would you say are the contending interests surrounding? the mandates that we've experienced. And they could, that could be masks, that could be vaccine, but just generally, what, what would you say are the contending interests that we're dealing with? Yeah, I think we can, well, I would say that we can safely divide it at least into two sides. There's the perspective that to be a good national or global citizen, you do your part and you get vaccinated. And that interest itself would supersede even your own interest to be vaccinated for your own protection. And so uh, there's that side. And then there's the side of either uh, I don't believe in vaccines in total or the side of a mandate for vaccines is restricting my freedom and therefore I'm not going to do it. And that can either coincide with your disbelief or your dis, uh, distrust with vaccines or it could lie solely, I think, with your uh, objection to that kind of power grab from the government. Yeah, so on the side of um, with, that's kind of the pro-vaccine mandate side, you have this idea that Tyson articulated of, you know, you, to be a good responsible citizen, you need to go get vaccinated. And you're doing this Yes, it's for yourself, for your own good, but it's also for the good of everyone around you. And um, you, you really see that, I think, in this quote from President Biden, where he says, you know, 
with freedom comes responsibility. You know, that's true. I definitely agree with that. Um, and he's saying, you know, do this for the people you love for your, um, and for your country, as well as for yourself. Um, I don't see anything wrong with any of that. I don't see anything wrong with President Biden getting up and saying this stuff and advocating for the vaccine and, and saying this is all great. The point where I start to have a problem with it is where he says, we're going to use incentives and mandates to make it happen. And, and I know this maybe is getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I feel like that's where he starts to tread on um, the pillars of America that we've talked about. Um, but you can see where it's coming from and that he has this genuine, um, I mean, I guess, depending on who you are, you, you might question whether he's genuine or not, but you, in, in his words, he definitely has this genuine concern. There's another quote from him where he says, he goes through some, some of the statistics about who's getting COVID-19 right now, who's hospitalized, who's, who's dying, and, and it's all people that are unvaccinated. He says, um, 99% of COVID-19 deaths have been among the unvaccinated people. If you're unvaccinated, you're much more likely to get COVID, to get hospitalized, and die if you get it. This is a tragedy. People are dying and will die who don't have to die. Um, you can see where this, this perspective comes from, I think is the point. If I can, I think uh, I, I agree with you actually in, in the quote, uh, Joe Biden's quote, that it's actually a pretty pleasant quote up until the point where he talks about you knowing what he's saying is true in your gut. Um, I think after that, he makes a couple of blunders, uh, a couple of fallacies. But um, to speak towards the statistic, 99% uh, of the people who are dying uh, who are, are, are unvaccinated, I think it's uh, this type of typical argument that's kind of misleading. Uh, that is a huge number. 99% of the deaths are those that are unvaccinated, and it makes it seem like you should go get vaccinated. But of course, we need to talk also about the number of people who are dying after contracting COVID-19. And on top of that, what number of people are dying um, due to comorbidities or without comorbidities. And so I, I think it's kind of a misleading argument, just strictly from a, a like an argumentative standpoint. But I would agree that with freedom comes responsibility. Uh, later on in the quote where he says, uh, with incentives and mandates, we can make a huge difference. I think those two ideas are in complete contradiction with each other. With freedom comes responsibilities. Therefore, we're going to restrict your freedom with a mandate so that we can reach a certain goal. In my mind, that's saying, well, if you're going to restrict my freedom, then you're also restricting my, my responsibility. So I just think it's a really interesting um, uh, kind of deceptive argument that he uses in that quote. Yeah, I, I think you both have done a really good job of explaining the, the interests at play. And I think for the sake of this podcast and for this discussion, I think one thing that's important for us to establish is at least I'm going to try to approach this conversation as that everyone's operating in good faith. I think that most of the time, the people that are listeners that you, speaking to you, the listener directly, are going to be interacting with are people who are, are acting and speaking in good faith. 
And I think that we do our, we'll, we, you will do yourself. And I think we as, a, as, as panelists will do ourselves a disservice in being able to address this topic well if we assume bad intentions or bad motivations of whoever, whatever side of the discussion that you are, that you're assuming bad motivations. And so, for like I said, for the sake then of this podcast, I'm going to assume that anyone who has these concerns about the, the virus and wanting to protect life and, and to save lives genuinely wants to do that and that they want people to, to be safe and to be able to be healthy, et cetera. And so I, I think, you know, like you guys said, the, the quote with those kinds of things in mind, generally not troublesome. And we're not going to get into whether vaccines are effective or anything like that, but it's the ending part of that quote, like you said, that, that raises concerns. And to, to give a little bit of credence, though, to those who might favor mandates, we do believe, and this is, I guess, coming into, now we're going to start to apply the pillars, uh, you know, individual liberty, morality, limited government, free markets. We know from the third pillar of limited government that one of the roles, the proper role, part of the inspired role of government is to protect life. Um, Doctrine and Covenant section 134, verse 2. We believe that no government can exist in peace except such laws are framed and held inviolate as will secure to each individual the free exercise of conscience, the right and control of property, and the protection of life. So government does exist to protect our lives. So we, you know, we have to then you know, take that kind of claim seriously then. And then also from President David O. McKay, the, he said that the greatest responsibility of the state is to guard the lives and to protect the property and rights of its citizens. And then he specifically gives ways that they do that, protecting citizens from lawlessness within its bounds, protect it from lawlessness encroachments from without. Um, so protecting life is part of the role of government. But then we have to get at how is this being done, looking at what kind of threat it is, and how government then protects life. And, and I think what you're saying, Tyson, about um, the, the statement about 99% of the people who are dying from COVID right now are, are unvaccinated. I Before we started this podcast, I went and got the most recent data on the case fatality rate for COVID. And so I'll give you first the global case fatality rate. And so case fatality rate is when we have a confirmed case of COVID, how many of those people, what percentage of the people who are confirmed cases of COVID end up dying from COVID. So global case fatality rate for COVID-19 is 2.12%. So a little over 2% of people who contract COVID, it's identified as a case, die from COVID. And then in the United States specifically, it's 1.7%. So if you get COVID, I wouldn't say there's a 1.7% chance because there's a lot of different factors that go into uh, how deadly that COVID is for you. But when we look at how many people are getting COVID and the percentage of people who are dying in the United States is 1.7%. Uh, we're not dealing with 50% or even 10%. These are pretty low percentages in terms of number of people who are contracting the disease and the number of people who are then dying from it. But I kind of brought a little bit of the pillars into the discussion um, specifically that the role of government is to protect life and to protect our rights and to do so simultaneously, protecting our rights and protecting our lives at the same time. So I feel like there's two principles in tension 
there. But uh, turning over back to you, Jeremy and Tyson, how do you see specifically mandates? And when we're talking about mandates, we're talking about government mandates, not private businesses or organizations making standards themselves, but government mandates. How do we, how do you look at the concept of mandates through the lens of the pillars? So the first quote that I, I come back to is um, in the Book of Mormon, Lehi teaches about the purpose of life in Second Nephi 2. And he, he teaches this principle here in verse 27. It says, wherefore men are free according to the flesh and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. And they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. Um, the government, I think, is, is um, most effective and it, it best protects our rights and our life when it honors our agency. Um, there are instances where government should and does infringe on individual liberty. And we've talked about in the individual liberty pillar, how that comes in essentially when I'm using my liberty to reach out and, and in, infringe on your rights or take away your life or your property. Um, that's kind of when government steps in. But if I'm in my circle and my actions are only affecting me, um, government needs to let me choose what I'm gonna do and how I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It, it reminds me of, a, of two quotes, one from, from Thomas Jefferson, where he says, rightful liberty is unobstructed action according to our will within the limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. And then uh, Elder Stephen L. Richards, who is a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, saying, speaking of, of God, he said, God has given us our free agency, which we may exercise without severe condemnation, only so long as we do not infringe upon the rights of our fellow men. And, and I repeat, only so long as we do not infringe upon the rights of others. And that goes right to what you were talking about, how liberty means free action, as long as in the, our actions, we're not infringing or threatening the, the, the equal rights of, of others. Tyson, you were going to say something. Yeah, so I, I think on, on the topic of safeguarding yourself from a spreadable disease. I think there's definitely a pill from individual morality, a pillar, the pillar individual morality. Uh, I mean, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan would suggest that we are to look after our neighbor's interests and to do all we can for their benefit um, at our own expense, even. Um, however, of course, this is a, we're not talking about, you know, vaccines themselves. We're talking about the mandate of vaccines and what that means and so even though we do where we may have an obligation not necessarily to get a vaccine but to safeguard ourselves from spreading disease that is um composing the, the pandemic i guess you could say um i i think we need to look at the individual liberty and determine you know at what point does the incidence of this disease being spread throughout the, the population become 
drastic enough that we can start restricting our agency or our liberties in this country because there may be a point at which uh, it is so rampant and so widespread if the death toll went up, if the incidence rate went up, that uh, it would be proper for the government to step in and maybe restrict our liberties. Would you guys agree to that? I would only quibble with your word choice because if the act, if the action of you going about unvaccinated or if you're spreading disease, that is not liberty as we understand it because that would be infringing or threatening the rights of somebody else. If I know I have an infectious disease and then I go and cough on you, that was not liberty, that was a threat. And so that's the only kind of quibbling I would have is the government limiting your, limiting your ability to threaten the rights of others or preventing you or punishing you for threatening the rights of others is not restricting your liberty. It is upholding your liberty and upholding the liberty. It's upholding the liberty uh, of your uh, of your fellow man. That's that's the only thing I would quibble with what you explained. So uh, your your thought brought up two related thoughts for me, Tyson. First, you, you appealed to the individual morality, um, and one of the important p- parts of that pillar is that it is. Um, it's based in individuality and individual liberty or individual um, action. Because if you are forced to be moral, you're not gaining anything and neither is anybody else. Um, the, The entire point of choosing morality is so that we become more like God and so we can um, learn to be like him. And if you're being forced to do that, then you're not learning. Um, so I just, I, I would bring that up because that's an important part of the individual morality pillar. And then second, um, you mentioned about like, you asked, so would we? Would I agree that if you're out spreading disease that the government might have a, an instance where they can start handing down mandates? Um, for example, the mask mandates that they did or as they've talked, as has been, you know, in the news now that vaccine mandates that they're, that people have contemplated. Um, I would say for me, yeah, there's, there's a a point where those sorts of government actions could become legitimate. Um, For me, the data is not there right now. And if you look at the speech, uh, the, the speech I quoted earlier, the 99% dying unvaccinated is from President Biden. Um, Like if you assume then that the vaccine works, it does what it's supposed to do, which his statistics all support this, of course. Um, And he he shows some really compelling statistics showing that, look, if you get vaccinated, you're safe, you're kind of home free, and that's great. And when that's the case, and everybody has the option to be vaccinated, it kind of takes away any sort of moral authority the government has to start imposing on people, um, on people's agency. Because if I, as an individual, don't want to have my my life impacted by people around me, all I have to do is go get vaccinated. And I have that opportunity. And so government doesn't need to force me to do that. 
it's my choice. It's something that I can choose to do or I can choose not to do. And I get to decide and then I can, you know, take those consequences, whatever they are. Um, whether they are, as, as President Biden suggests, that you're probably going to get COVID and end up in the hospital and possibly die, or, or whether they aren't, um, as others might suggest. But that's kind of, it, it becomes my choice. No, I totally agree with you, Jeremy. I can think that there, I can imagine a hypothetical situation or scenario where government quarantines or, or shutting down certain things like that or requiring certain types of, of mandates could be justified force to secure rights. Because we have to remember, government mandate implies government force. And if force is being used, it has to be, we have to evaluate that use of force through whether this is force used to secure rights against external threats um, of arbitrary intrusive force. So there could be a situation, or if we knew someone was super sick and the disease they had was super deadly and they were going out coughing on people, absolutely, we could use force to stop that person from doing that. But I, I agree with you, Jeremy, though. I do not believe that the data, as I shared at the beginning, near the beginning of the podcast, talking about 2.12% global fatality rate, 1.7% fatality rate in the US. Uh, right now, the weekly average in the United States just barely went over 500, which out of a country of over 300 million is really small. So I don't think that the current circumstances meet that potential hypothetical that would justify that kind of a mandate. And like you said, if the vaccine is effective and if it is widely available, and people are now choosing whether to get it or not. And if it is effective, you are taking that risk yourself. It's kind of like when you get in your car and go driving, you putting on a seatbelt or not, we don't wear seatbelts so much for the benefit of other drivers as much as it is for our own benefit. It's a form of government paternalism. And there's actually some interesting studies that show that people drive worse when there are uh, seatbelt mandates. Um, but we can get at that another time. But it's the same kind of idea. You are you are assuming that risk now for yourself, and government doesn't ex exist to secure your rights, your right to life, from other people infringing on it and taking it away from you. Government doesn't exist there to be your daddy and to make sure that you don't run into the road or that you don't hurt yourself. That's not what the government exists to do. It's to keep you from hurting other people and taking their stuff. And if government then gets into the realm of not only just protecting your rights from, from other people, but from yourself, that to me goes beyond the proper role of government, it's unjustified force, and, and really becomes a problem. Yeah, I, I, tru I, I truly think that that point is may maybe the linchpin for any sort of debate over mandates is at what point does the benefit to, to the public outweigh you know, individual liberty. And that, I don't know if it's ever been decided really. I mean, I can remember learning about, uh, I think it was a yellow fever outbreak in Philadelphia, maybe in the late 1700s, where they were experiencing uh, mortality rates of 10% of the population dying from yellow fever. And at the time, I don't think they called it vaccinations or didn't have vaccines, they did inoculations. Um, but I don't remember, and this could just be me not hearing the all of it. Um, I don't remember any sort of forced inoculation program 
to curb the, the spread of that disease. I think people were really expected to kind of look after themselves and weigh the risks. But anyways, I, I think it's on that point. At what point that does the public good outweigh individual liberties? And that's something that would be a really interesting to hear reasonable stats around, but I think that's a truly hard to pick or hard conversation to have. I think that that hits at part partially why this is such a difficult topic. Um, I mean, Jacob, be before we started, you were you were mentioning how both sides of this debate are just really hard to talk with people about because whichever side they're on, they just get really heated, they get really emotional. And I think part of it is because you can make a valid argument for government to step in. Um, but you know, for us looking at it here with the stats, I mean, for me looking at the stats that President Biden himself gives, you can't make that argument with this data. Uh, but that's where it gets tricky because you have people interpreting the data differently and you have people you know, making different arguments and, and, and it gets hard. So it, it is a difficult debate. It's something we, we need to give each other grace in these kinds of debates. And there are secondary concerns too about who's making these decisions. Are these elected officials? Are these bureaucrats? Um, what are their, I, I said we wouldn't talk about motives, but like a public health official might have a different kind of internal calculus of how they determine cost benefit analysis than you as an individual might. And if a, if a public health official's only focus is to reduce death, that might lead them to a different out, outcome or decision of what's a good policy than somebody else. And so that's another thing why I think it's so contentious is it touches on so many different types of problems or issues or questions that, depending on where you land on them, can lead you to drastically different outcomes or drastically different um, prescriptions of, of how to address this. And like I, like I was saying before the podcast, like you mentioned, Jeremy, it's really difficult. And I especially feel like among Latter-day Saints, it seems at times that you will, you'll talk to somebody and who has a strong opinion on this. And regardless, like, you know, they might be on, and I see this on both sides, but you might say your opinion or question their position and they treat you like, you know, you are somehow expressing that you have a weaker testimony or you don't have a testimony because of that position. And to me, I think that's just, incredibly inappropriate. And I think as we've demonstrated through our discussion that you can find good reasons to, to argue on both sides and that there are good faith concerns that we have to address and consider. And we don't do ourselves any service as Latter-day Saints in attributing weaker commitments to the gospel because somebody has a slightly different or has a different, completely different, I guess, even um, conclusion of where they stand on this issue. And that's just something I've noticed a lot. And uh, I hope that we can make sure that we're not a part of that. So I have one more thought um, regarding the pillars that I'm interested to hear uh, your guys' comments on. And to hear if you guys have uh, maybe better information uh, as it pertains to the mandate and vaccines. But as far as free markets is involved, concerned, because I don't think we've talked about this pillar yet, um, I think it's interesting, a mandate 
or a force like government forcing us to get vaccines would inevitably lead uh, or lead like demand to somebody who is producing a good. And so of the vaccines that are available, which players are, uh, are, are represented, you know, which, which pharmaceutical companies are represented. And to me, it seems like that is kind of a violation of the free markets that not every player, not every pharmaceutical company has a vaccine that is allowed to be dispensed. Um, certainly there are Chinese companies coming up with vaccines too that we're not dispensing, although maybe that hits a different topic because it's not necessarily our country or society in which they're residing. Anyways, um, I, I kind of see it as an infringement on that pillar of free markets because they are mandating that we buy a good. And I know it doesn't cost us money, but there's definitely money flowing somewhere from a particular player in the market, maybe at the uh, competitive disadvantage to one of the other players in the market. What are your thoughts about that? I guess my first thought would just be, um, we, we talked about in the free markets podcast episode, um, the, the outcome of free markets is wealth. When you have a free market and, and you respect people's agency economically, you build wealth as a nation. Um, and if you were at a point where you could show that um, you have a disease or some other situation that's so severe that it, um, it does justify government intervention, I see the free markets as being um, kind of superseded. It, it's a less important argument in that kind of a situation to me than because you're already talking about life and death. And so wealth or not wealth is less of a concern um, than that life or death for me. Yeah, it reminds me of an Adam Smith quote of uh, defense is, comes before opulence in the sense that, you know, you have to be alive, like you said before. I mean, it's not to denigrate property rights or to denigrate economic rights, but um, with what you said, uh, Tyson, I think mandating people to buy what they don't want to buy. I, I think if that's what was happening, I'd be more concerned about impacting that pillar. It's just also the problem of the nature of government procurement of anything is you're going to have some firms get bought from, from the government and others that won't, and that causes a distortion. And I think that that I think everyone kind of acknowledges that happens I mean, in defense, for example. I mean, the, the U.S. government buys um, airplanes from Boeing, but doesn't buy it from Airbus or something of that nature. And so because government has to have some sort of supplies, it has to have money. And then with that money, it has to do something with that. And that means buying from certain firms. And that leaves a wide open for a lot of corruption, um, not necessarily getting the best product. And I think it's one of those things that does that invalidate the fact that it has to happen? No, it's just something that we have to do our best to check against and try to limit. And so having a bidding process, trying to the best of our ability, set up uh, a process that limits the ability for corporate kind of 
favoritism to happen um, is best. Um, but kind of like, like Jeremy said, it's just kind of the nature of the beast a little bit. And so I'd be much more harsher against that pillar. I think if it was mandated, you have to buy this, but if it's the government procuring it, I think if it relies on private markets and private enterprise, I mean, we look at the fact that the vaccines developed at all, it wasn't the government that developed these vaccines. It was private industry, private markets, the market working competition, um, which in a lot of ways you could say is a pill is a monument to the power of the pillar of free markets that where they were developed this kind of technology so rapidly and for it to be as effective as it is. Um, but like I said, I guess in a roundabout way, the procurement of it does lead room for abuse. We do our best to minimize that, but in and of itself, I don't think it we can really properly say it's a violation of the, the pillar of, of free markets. It's a feature of limited government in the sense that limited governments have to have some sort of means to perform its functions. I wonder if the pillar of free markets will help us determine at what point we can impact individual liberty by issuing a mandate in, in the sense that what Jeremy is saying is the, the point of free markets is to generate wealth. Well, if the population is being decimated, a 10th of the population gone, a 20th, like 20% of the population gone, at some point, we're going to get to a, a, a state of being where our wealth as a nation is being crippled because we don't have the population there anymore. And so maybe that pillar actually helps us determine at what point we can begin restricting individuals' liberties for the sake of the public good, if that makes sense, or at least help us get there. Maybe it's not the full you know, solution or whatever to come up with that answer, but at least in part. I, I think it's an interesting perspective. I know that in economics, you can essentially, it's not a very popular idea, but you can put a price on somebody's life um, this is how much it costs for somebody to die. Um, this is how much benefit we lose economically from, from their passing away. I think that there are limitations to that perspective and there's problems that arise with looking at things strictly from an economic sense, um, but it could certainly be a, an interesting supplement. I think it can provide some interesting insights in terms of like supply and demand if something, you know, if looking at how many vaccine doses are being put out might give an indication of, okay, does, does the people who the government is the common agent of, are the people sending a market signal to the government that they feel that this is a necessary to secure their rights? You'd imagine if they did, that they would be exercising or using that. So I, I think it could provide interesting um, insights. I'm not sure. I think that there probably there might be some limitations, though, like Jeremy said. Um, any kind of last comments on government mandates, how it impacts the pillars uh, that you guys want to get in before we close? Not necessarily how it impacts the, the pillars, but I did want to touch on, briefly on what is our personal or moral, even patriotic responsibility, if, if that's all right. You guys okay with that? Oh, yeah. I will say, as I've pondered this issue, uh, what came to mind was Article of Faith 12. 
We believe in being subject to kings, presidents, rulers, and magistrates in obeying, honoring, and sustaining the law. And to me, that seems to say that what the law says, we try to abide by as Latter-day Saints. Now, of course, uh, that doesn't mean there's not redress to poorly written laws. Uh, Dallin H. Oaks in, I think it's just the most recent general conference said, being subject to presidents or rulers, of course, poses no obstacle to our opposing individual laws or policies. It does require that we exercise our influence civilly and peacefully within the framework of our constitution our constitutions and, and, and applicable laws. On contested issues, we should seek to come to moderate and unify. We should learn and advocate the inspired principles of the constitution. We should seek out and support wise and good persons who will support those principles in their public actions. We should be, acknowledge, we should be knowledgeable citizens who are active in making our influence felt in civic affairs. And so I did just wanna, at least if, if this was my last comment here, say, if there was a vaccine mandate put out, that's something that I would have to weigh in in my decision to comply, you know, this article faith 12. But it also speaks strongly towards the importance that each of us have to be very active civilly in influencing the people who are ultimately drawing out those laws. You know, if there's somebody in office who is blatantly disregarding individual liberty because of the laws they are writing, it is on us to essentially move, remove that person from office. And that, that starts here locally and it goes up, you know, locally to the state, to the nation, right? You don't have as much impact on the nation, but you do have a huge impact on your local government and what kind of mandates that they might be issuing, so. I like that point. And um, one of the things that I've noticed as I've tried to get more involved personally at the local level, um, or rather, I think someone pointed this out to me, but as you become more involved locally and influence your, the, your local politics, you're influencing people who then also are put in positions to influence um, larger areas beyond them. And so for example, if, if you influence who's your state governor, who's your state legislators, um, they have more pull on your national legislators and your, your national um, representatives. And, and the same thing at the city level, if you influence who's in charge of your city government, they've got more close connection to your state representatives. And, and so really, if you're seeing concerns with the things that the government is doing, start right where you are in your sphere and begin to apply the pillars, like begin to apply the principles as Dallin H. Oak said. And um, you'll start to see that ripple effect upward into a, every level of government. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I mean, the pillars are there as a tool for us to apply, to have these conversations. And we might have share a dedication to these principles and come to slightly different policy conclusions. And I think we need to have grace for each other with that. Um, again, uh, this is a really big issue. We haven't even talked on impacts of these kinds of things on religious liberty as well, um, which is something that's interesting and has been timely as well. And so if you feel like we didn't get to an issue or an aspect of this debate, 
We're sorry, it's a very big issue. And we might come back and revisit it again, but thank you. Uh, those of you who do join us for, for joining us this week for this discussion, I wanna thank Jeremy and Tyson as well for their thoughts. Uh, I think this has been a really good principled discussion uh, of this issue. Be sure uh, to like this video and to subscribe on YouTube and to like us and rate us and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to. It really helps the show, helps us uh, grow our reach of our message as we're trying to build this movement of, of Latter-day Saints who are dedicated to defending freedom and to protecting our inspired constitution. You know, we, we need to be able to get that message out there. So you, your sharing, your leaving a positive review with your subscription, all those things really help us do that. If you'd like to contact us uh, and uh, share with us a thought or a question that you'd like to see addressed, you can contact the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're active on all three of those platforms. And you can also email the show directly at latterdayfreeman76 at gmail.com. All for Tyson, for Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us this week, and we will see you all next week.